Country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. The future of country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. You can't beat Texas. I mean, come on. Country confidential. The country music we know and love today is shaped by so many different factors. But Texas country is really in a league of its own. The genre is known for fusing neo-traditional country with an outspoken and carefree view of outlaw country. Texas country does a great job of blending these with the views of the common working man along with witty undertones and it's often more of this stripped down kind of feel. Popularized by country music icons like George Strait, Willie Nelson, and Stoney LaRue, Today's Texas country singers are staying true to their roots and pumping out some great music. I got to sit down and chat with Parker McCollum, Jenna Paulette, Tristan Merez, the Josh Abbott Band, and Randall King to talk a little bit more about what the genre means to them. You know me, I want all the secrets and untold stories from being a part of the Texas music scene. I'm your host, Backstage Bobby, and this is Country Confidential, Texas Country Music. Parker McCollum was born and raised just outside of Houston, Texas, in the city of Conroe. He grew up listening to Texas country, but his obsession really started when his brother gifted him the Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 album for his 11th birthday. He started learning guitar and writing his own songs then at the age of 13. Since then, the gold chain cowboy has been making a name for himself in his home state and beyond. In 2019, he signed with Universal Nashville, and now he's been able to share his Texas roots with a wider audience. I was lucky enough to sit down with Parker and chat with him a little bit about his career and how he's managed to maintain a connection to his Texas roots. It started really early for me. I'm my older brother, Tyler, was, uh, I mean, he was listening to Cross Canadian Ragweed and Randy Rogers and Pat Green and Corey Morrow. Uh, when he was in high school. So I was in like fourth, fifth grade, you know, stealing his CDs and and uh, listening to those guys. But, you know, it was also a lot of guys like Robert Earl Keane and James McMurtry and Chris Knight, um, Slade Cleaves, Adam Carroll. Uh, I mean, that's a long, long list. Um, and uh, and I was really fortunate, you know, to be have an older brother that was listening to those guys. And so I got to and, and not only was I exposed to him at a young age, I was kind of obsessed. Like I really was. Those are the guys that I identified with the most. Um, love their songs, love their songwriting. Was always, you know, kind of sneaking away in my room with my guitar, trying to write songs like those guys all through junior high and high school. Um, and so, if you know, if it wasn't for my older brother, you know, kind of showing me who those guys were and what really good, honest songwriting was, then uh, I don't think my music would. I mean, I may be doing music right now or writing songs or trying to do that. So um, I always give a lot of credit to those guys. And now, you know, most of them are good buddies of mine, which is really cool because I grew up just thinking that, you know, they were these like superheroes. And, and now I text them and call them whatever any time of the day. So it's, it's, it's really cool for me to like grow up listening to them and then now know them so well. I love that Parker credits Texas country icons and his brother. Heck, maybe without them or these Texas roots, Parker wouldn't even be in music. To me, it seems like the Texas country community is really one big family. So I asked Parker why it's especially important for him to keep it alive. For me personally, my I cut my teeth really just touring around Texas and started in my truck, ended up getting a van, bought a trailer, thought we were big time. Um, you know, and so those like super hardcore Texas music fans are the first ones that ever came to my shows and, you know, were screaming the words to my songs back to me and selling, you know, selling out little venues and 
which we just thought, you know, was the coolest thing in the world. So for me, it's always, I always try to stay connected to those fans. Um, you know, we tour all over the country now and the record deal and all that stuff, but we, I don't, I don't have any of that if it's not for, you know, the Texas music scene and kind of put me on blast from a very early age. And they accepted me a hundred percent from the get go. Um, you know, really embraced what I was trying to do from my very first album, the limestone kid. Um, and, and always kind of acknowledged me as a songwriter first, which is definitely my preference the thing that, you know, I kind of enjoy the most and really is what, you know, the first thing I ever fell in love with that had anything to do with music. So I don't know. I, I always try to put on for my home state, and uh, make sure they, you know, we haven't forgotten about them and we appreciate them and we love them and, and we fully understand that, you know, no telling where we are without them. That last statement was really powerful to me. The fact that he gives so much credit to his fans for his success really speaks to the tight-knit community that Texas musicians have created with their fans. I've been to a Texas concert and man, he ain't wrong. There really is something so special about that scene. But Parker said something in his bio that really speaks volumes to me. He said he wants to have Luke Bryan's success while singing Chris Knight caliber songs. I feel like that mindset really helped him pave his way into the Texas country scene. So I asked him a little bit more about it. I, mean, I think Luke's just done such a good job in his career uh, of being, you know, uber successful. Um, and he really kind of, you know, changed the sound of country radio, which a lot of people fell in line with. And all of a sudden, a lot of people started to sound like, Luke, you know, and all their songs that were going to radio sounded like Luke Bryan's songs because he was having so much success. And uh, I, I never wanted to get, you know, looped into this category and sound like everybody else or follow anybody else's path. You know, I always wanted to have my own sound and be really super genuine and honest in kind of the production and the songwriting and the creative process. Um, and so I thought, you know, this, I, I loved what Luke's done in his career. I think it's unbelievably impressive how successful he's been. Um, but I knew I couldn't come into town and sign a record deal and start sounding like Luke Bryan. You just fall into the mix and be just another guy on the radio. Um, so it was really kind of where I started to fall back on, you know, the roots uh, of, of the music that I listened to from an early age that made me fall in love with music and songwriting. Um, and I was like, man, if I could, you know, have this kind of stand out on the radio and stand out, you know, there's not a lot of people writing songs like Chris Knight that are on national radio right now. And I'm still working on it. I'm not saying that I've done it whatsoever been successful at that attempt at all so far uh, but it's certainly always on my mind and uh, you know to have that uber you know superstar success while you know sounding real authentic and original and not sounding like anybody else I love how confident Parker is in his talent yet he manages to stay so authentic and humble y'all you know how big of a country music fan I am through and through and in the last two years I've focused on expanding my taste in the genre and I really loved picking up on these different styles. Country music really does have so much to offer. But for me, I feel like there's a really big difference between Texas and Nashville country. So I wanted to get Parker's take on what that means to him. I mean, honestly, it never even crosses my mind. I don't even, I know like way back in the day with Pat and them, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of kind of animosity to artists from Texas going to Nashville, but I don't know. I, it never even crosses my mind. I'm always, you know, I have some of my best friends in the world are here in Nashville and are super successful. Some of my other best friends in the world are strictly Texas artists and extremely successful down there. I don't even know if that exists anymore. I think everybody's pretty much, you know, kind of on the same page of, you know, don't knock the hustle. Everybody's got a different way that they create and write and want to sound and, and the way they want to go about their career. So I don't really 
I don't think the whole Nashville, Texas thing exists anymore. You know, as long as you're honest and your songs are good and you're working hard and earning it, I don't really know how you could, you know, say anything about any of that. I love how Parker says, respect the hustle. And it's all about the songs because at the end of the day, it really is about the music and the connections that you have with it. I wanted to know how Parker felt about his sound and the perspective that he has on how he's changed and grown since his debut album, The Limestone Kid, in 2015. Some days I feel like I haven't grown at all and and I feel like I've kind of been stagnant. All three albums of, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm super kind of my own worst critic, super hard on myself about it. And, uh, and so, I don't know, some days I feel like I've grown tremendously and exponentially and, you know, it's just... Each each album's been, you know, this huge, uh, you know, kind of growth process. It's so obvious and you can tell, you know, that the talent has grown and the creative process has grown. And then other days I'm like, man, it all sucks. So um, it's a it's kind of a constant battle back and forth with myself. I don't know about y'all, but it's really comforting to know that even people who have had a lot of success in their careers have doubts. Parker is his own biggest critic, which is super relatable. Despite his doubts, his latest album, Gold Chain Cowboy, is undoubtedly been a massive success. He talked to me about the process of creating the album and what pride he has in it. It turned out really uh, just so much better than I guess I thought it was going to after, you know, going through the pandemic COVID year and all that and not really knowing what was going on. And then it's like all of a sudden we were out of it. We had to put out this record. And I was kind of nervous that we were rushing it. And um, usually I take my time on those things and it's real long drawn out process and a lot of critiquing. And, but this record, I just kind of didn't do that. I didn't really have the time or the mind frame, you know, to do it. And so um, we've kind of just felt like we threw this record together in a hurry, trying to get it out since we were back touring. And, uh, and that may not even been the case that my feeling about that may have been totally wrong, but um, it certainly was on my mind a lot when that when we were you know in the studio finishing this album and all that being said I was really just kind of proud of how well it turned out considering all those circumstances and um, it just been such a crazy time in life and kind of unprecedented never thought anything like that would ever happen and then we come out and got to throw this record together and it just turned out so much better than I was kind of fearing that it would so um, super proud of that. If y'all haven't listened to his latest album Gold Chain Cowboy yet, I highly recommend it. Parker's sound is so unique and incredibly refreshing, but it really reflects his time in Texas while sticking to his Texas roots. So I asked him which song off the album felt was the best representation of him. I would have to say rest of my life for sure. That song, that's probably my favorite song I wrote on the album. Um, if there's probably uh, only heart like mine, that was a song I'd been trying to figure or tra- song I'd been trying to finish for. I had that for my first verse in that chorus for, you know, like five years, I think, or four years. Um, and it kind of stumbled back across it when I was finishing the record. And those two, definitely, I just feel like they're the best, most honest, well-written songs on the record. So those do it for me. Jenna Paulette sings, you can put the girl in the country in her song, Country and the Girl. That's exactly what she's done with her career. She's a cowgirl whose upbringing took place in the gritty realities of ranch life, And she was introduced to the time-tested genre of country music as young as she can remember. Now a full-time artist in Nashville, Jenna is using her love of the Texas style of country and her Nashville publishing deal to blend both worlds together. I grew up in a ranching family on the Oklahoma-Texas line, so I lived what country songs sing about on a daily basis. And really being in that world growing up and listening 
to the Dixie Chicks sing Wide Open Spaces and Cowboy Take Me Away and George Strait and all the songs that he sang and all that 90s country music just really hit home with me in a very natural way. So I started singing those songs on the back of a four-wheeler. My mom and dad heard me in the back of a car one day and they said, you know what? I think she's really got something. I think she's really good. And I remember hearing say that and being like, yeah, I want to do for the rest of my life. And um, so it really was a young thing for me, for me to really want to dive into country music full time. After things got serious, I think I, I realized that the marriage between my experiences growing up and what country songs and country music is all about really just was the most natural um, hand in hand sort of thing. So yeah, so it influenced me in a huge way. And um, really every song that I sing has got to resonate with me the way that those songs did up because I want to be able to kind of give those same feelings to girls like me. Isn't that what country music is all about? It's just about making people feel something with your music. In Texas country has always done that for me. From the instrumentation to the lyrics, it's really like no other. Jenna shared with me what her favorite parts and sounds of Texas country are and how she incorporates them into her music. Actually, I was in a songwriting session today with Rodney Clausen and um, Billy Dawson. They're both from the panhandle of Texas, so Amarillo area. One of the things that we were talking about was the difference in a fiddle player that might be from Tennessee, North Carolina that area versus a Texas fiddle, fiddle player. And there's just more of a, like, it's like a twang versus a draw sort of thing. Like we're much more Southeastern, you know, like there's just a big difference between that and a Western twang, which is a little bit quicker. And that's even reflective in how fiddle players play the fiddle from these different regions of the United States. And really it's like, it's, it's that it's little aspects of just are influenced by where you're from and what you grew up listening to and what you were exposed to growing up. And I remember um, people would ask me when I first got to town, like, Jenna, are you red dirt? Are you Texas country? Or are you national mainstream? And I was like, well, I am a cowgirl. I grew up in Texas. It's a very Texas country thing. However, I want to bring it into the mainstream. So I think there are parts of me that wanted to pull those roots and, and the way that the fiddle sounds coming out of Texas, but put it in a very mainstream sort of commercial vessel. Jenna and I definitely bonded over our love of the fiddle. I just love how in tune she really is with Texas and how it shines in her music. I mean, heck, she was practically raised on it. I wanted to know why Jenna thought it was important to keep Texas country music and its tradition alive. I just think that there's such a realness to the way Texas country music has come up. Everybody that sings about it is singing from a very real place. And um, I don't know, you can feel it in the music, in the lyric. It's not so contrived and put into the commercial songwriting model that it loses all of its authenticity. And, you know, I'm not saying all commercial music is not authentic. I'm just saying there's a another level of authenticity that comes with Texas country because they're not trying to fit a mold that somebody else has set out for them. And they are singing songs that literally are just coming up out of their souls. You know, they, there is a rhyme and reason the way they construct things, but it's way more kind of like nitty gritty raw lyric versus, you know, like a slick sort of thing. There's a song by Stoney LaRue who is like Texas country and it's called feet don't touch the ground. And 
favorite version of it is the live version that he recorded, I think, at Billy Bob's. And Billy Bob's is like the quintessential Texas venue that you want to play um, and sell out at some point in your career. Um, but I love the live version because it's so raw and the lyric is so good. And yeah, just feel it in a different way from some of those Texas country artists. Jenna really is so knowledgeable about the genre and it only has made her music better. But something that stuck out to me as I got to know her better is that in her bio, she says, some things never go out of style, taking pride in a job well done, building upon a family legacy and remaining steadfast in faith while honoring the past and making room for the future. What a statement. So I had to ask Jenna how she represents all of this in her music. Like I said, I grew up on a ranch, well, helping at our ranch that my granddad was on every single day. And I would bop around in a dusty pickup with him listening to George Strait songs. And he is the legacy in my mind. He is the person that I want to honor in the way of life that I get to depict and the point of view that I get to have because of him. And so I think for me, that means honoring instruments like the pedal steel, which is so and I feel like in Western music in particular, which is very Texas country um, and just honoring the way that I bring my lyrics together, uh, they would speak to the life in the way I was raised and just bringing that up into a modern era in a way that is extremely cool and palatable for people that might not have grown up like I did, but that kind of gives them a glimpse into the beautiful and honorable life that cowboys and girls get to live. I love how committed Jenna is into representing her ranching community through her music. She also reps her Texas pride in how she dresses. I love her unique style and vibe. So of course I had to ask her about it and how she's developed it over the years. So when I started kind of developing my own style, I remember seeing pictures of my granddad. Um, I grew up thinking his pearl snaps were so dope. And I love seeing the Wrangler W on his butt. You know, like when we were working cattle, he'd be bent over and you'd see this Wrangler emblem. And I would be like, God, he's just so cool. He's so real. And I loved his cowboy hat. And I just thought he was so quintessentially cool because of what he wore. And it wasn't anything special. It is what it was like his work clothes. I mean, I'm literally wearing probably an outfit that he would have worn. I think this pearl snap is actually his. My my rule of thumb, a fourth Western, a fourth manly, because I'm not a super like frilly girly girl. And then um, a fourth feminine and modern. Like this combination of those four things. And there's like a balance to it. Like if I'm if I wear a shirt that has like a lot of bows or something like that, you better believe I'm going to be wearing men's rings or that <laughs> that I would write in because it balance it balances everything out in my book and then I wanted the western aspect of how I dress the cowgirl hat everything to really stem from a real place actually where to work kind of edging it out a little bit with a modern sort of feel so I love the fringe I love all of that stuff but it's like one element of the western side balanced with kind of the more manly aspects of the Western wear and then balancing it out with just a touch of feminine and a touch of modern so that it feels cooler than, um, I don't know. It just feels like me that way. I think it took me a little bit to in there too, because everybody thinks like, oh, you're a girl, you got to dress a certain way. So I went through phases where I was way more feminine than I am comfortable wearing. Not to say that I don't love wearing a pair of heels occasionally, but 
I really love to kind of balance out the feminine and the masculine. I feel the most comfortable, the most like myself when I'm wearing an outfit very similar to what I'm wearing right now. Uh, and I, I think it has given girls kind of like a permission to dress how they want to dress and that they can be beautiful and kind of nitty gritty sexy at the same time. I could tell even in the short amount of time that I spent with Jenna that she's really herself in all aspects of her life. I think her genuine personality has helped her be successful in Nashville and is taking her to places like sharing stages with Texas great Aaron Watson. So I asked Jenna what the best piece of advice Aaron has had for her. I have this thing where I love, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting over some stuff, so I'm coughing, but um, I have this thing where I love to watch anybody that I get the privilege of opening for. I love to watch their set. And I like to watch it multiple nights in a row because you learn so much from just standing side stage and um, watching more seasoned artists transition through songs and the way their set changes on a nightly basis and the way that they handle their bandmates and every little detail of their show. And Aaron is such a class act. I mean, he would see me standing side stage and he would be like, oh, this is Jenna Paulette, who I'm going to say in a couple of years that she opened for me and I wasn't worthy. Like he's just said the nicest things. I was like, what the heck is happening? And I didn't have my ears on. So at first I was like, did I hear that right? And he was like, Jenna, come out here and, and sing this song with me. And so we, he brings people out on stage and he, he treats his opener with so much respect. And it's just such a testament to who he is as a man and just as a person um, to treat his openers that well, make sure that they're well taken care of, that they're paid well, that they're honored, that he makes sure people remember name after my set and it says a lot about who he is and I just think he's the man and I've been lucky to chat with Jenna on more than one occasion her mission with her music is so big so I love to being able to hear that story just one more time the girls in the heartland I I want them to feel seen and known within country music and feel like somebody that has done chores and done hard things and sweated and not looked cute and it's kind of like the cowgirl next door um, <laughs> that they feel seen too. Cause that's, that's what I, that's what I am just in general. That's all I really want to be in life. And, um, and I don't know, I, I didn't necessarily feel like there was a whole lot of that representation. I think there's so many cool things that are happening in country music right now. There's a cutting edge kind of, you know, country music's having a moment, but I think it, there's an important voice that can't be lost, which is the voice of the heartland. And that's what country music was kind of built on. And I'm really proud to represent it. Tristan Marez is a Houston native whose Texas inspired sound isn't just centered around the crying steel or prominent fiddles that often go hand in hand that mark country music. His larger than life stage present and traditional country stories speak to the cowboy in all of us. Tristan Merez makes refreshing and genre-blending country music that nods not only his Texas roots, but his adopted hometown of Nashville. I'll be honest, I didn't grow up listening to the traditional Texas country. I, my parents listened to the Nashville Top 40 radio. But back then, Nashville radio was a lot different than it is now. And uh, so I grew up listening to, to the 90s country, the old school country. Um, but when I was in high school, I really got introduced to the Texas scene more so that's when it really impacted me as as a 
a future artist. I wasn't really pursuing music at the time, but uh, Cody Johnson and Randy Rogers band um, were one of the few that really got me and Aaron Watson, those three right there, really the ones that really got me hooked on it. Uh, only because I just wasn't introduced to it until a later age. Uh, Cody Johnson was kind of starting out, not starting out, but he was getting momentum. And because he's from Houston area, North Houston, Huntsville. So me and my buddies in high school would go out to the county fair when he was playing there. And, and just that was the the uh, the Friday night parties. The football wasn't going on and there's no ranch parties around. We would just go to Cody Johnson concerts and have fun. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really um, an influence to me that. And then I remember one time I've been a fan of Brandon Rogers for the longest time and they were playing in College Station at Hurricane Harry's. I think I just turned 18. It might have been. And got to see them live. And that was the coolest thing. That was one of the most impactful concerts I've ever been to. Their show is amazing. Their, the music's amazing. Uh, people dancing and drinking and having a good time. It was a lot of fun. I love how country music really found Tristan and gave him a space to follow his true passion. He shared with me a little bit more about why he's so passionate about Texas country and what draws him in. I really think the... I think it is because Texas music is real. It's country music. Um, I wouldn't so call it just Texas country, but I, I really consider it just country music. It's it's what was country music was built on, and it stayed true. Uh, I think it's one of the only places, you know, with, it, it's kind of hard to explain this, but I feel like Texas artists or Texas music scene, quote unquote, really connects through the people a lot more personally than a lot of the machine does here in a certain location. Uh, <laughs> but I really feel like, you know, Texas music really just speaks true to people. And I think it really connects with just, you know, the, the country music fans. And I think that's what really sticks out to a lot of people. And I think that's why it's expanding so much outside of the Texas music scene is because it just, it relates to a lot more real life situations than what you hear on the radio. And uh, I, I'm very, very uh, happy to see it spread more, you know, outside. And, and um, so it gives artists like us to, to be able to spread out as well. So it, I think that's one thing that keeps Texas so special is it's, it's uh, real, it's authentic. It's from artist to, to the fan or listener, like farm to table kind of stuff. <laughs> I think Tristan needs to coin that term farm to table country. But I couldn't agree more with Tristan. There is something so special about this style of country music that is truly built on authentic connections. I asked Tristan if there was a specific moment that he knew that country music was where he wanted to be. I actually moved to Nashville when I was 18. I uh, dropped out of high school, moved to Nashville, and the guidance I had was Roger Craiger, um, his bass player, Stormy Cooper Media, out in Houston. I was recording with him. and. And it was, it was between Austin and Nashville. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just, I want to grow as a songwriter. And he, this is when we recorded out on the dance floor. So, I mean, I already kind of wanted to do, I knew who I wanted to be as an artist, knew who I was, I had to sound, but I just wanted to grow as an artist. I had a lot of years ahead of me and I really just wanted to grow. And he's like, man, I, I really feel like you'd enjoy Nashville. I think, I think that fits you. And, you know, you can say what you want about Nashville, but as long as you stay true, you can't, I mean, it, I don't really think a location describes who you are. I think as long as you stay true to who you are um, and you put out music that you truly love and you're passionate about, you know, whether you're in Nashville, whether you're in Texas, I think that's that's really what matters. But um, I think the reason why I'm so into Texas is because, you know, I'm from, from the Houston area. And then also, I mean, that's what influenced me when I was becoming 
you know, a pursuing artist was uh, I was going to those dance halls. You know, we were sneaking in with fake IDs, you know, and watching Cody Johnson and trying to dance with every every person we could and and uh, having the parking lot parties and the ranch parties after. I mean, that's what I grew up. You know, that's what really influenced me as an artist. And so I think that's why I relate so much to it. And you can't beat Texas. I mean, come on. Tristan isn't wrong. The handful of times I've been able to attend a Texas-style country concert at the famed Billy Bob's in Fort Worth, it's really just been one big party. But not everybody has been lucky enough to have the same experience as me. So I asked Tristan how he would describe the Texas scene to a country newbie. They are the nicest people. I think uh, Texas artists are, are uh, it's a family. It's a, it's a big circle, but a small circle in the same thing. Like, do you all have Y'all know each other and everyone get along, gets along well. And, and, uh, you know, we all have our unique, unique style, but it's all real. It's just, you're literally getting, literally getting from the artists and from within their passion and you're getting it straight, straightforward. That's it. Nothing, nothing fake. Nothing about it is, is not authentic. It's just real. I think that's one of the coolest things. Texas country isn't just different in its style and sound. It's also different in its songwriting process. So Tristan shared with me a little bit about his take on songwriting for this specific subgenre of country music. I guess versus Nashville, I mean, everyone's trying to chase the number one. Everyone's trying to chase a viral hit, I think, in Texas or in, you know, the, the real side of it. That everyone's just doing it because they love it. It's a passion. Uh, it's how we communicate through ourselves and out to the world. Um, and I feel like Texas is such a great platform and, and the fans really want that. And I think that that's what really makes the scene the scene is because you're respected to be real and authentic. And I think this goes again. What I said is, is just being authentic and 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 nothing against Texas, like the artists that stayed in Texas for songwriting. I just that was my dream was to move to Nashville, try it out. Um, and, you know, I have found my niche of writers that are from Texas. Terry McBride, uh, one of them. And he really has taught me the ropes and he's one of the first writers I wrote with. And my first write with him was with Bryce Long. I mean, he's got a George, I mean, George Strait, John Party hits. I mean, you can, and Terry McBride himself and, and uh, Brett Beavers is another one from Texas that I write with a lot and, and Trent Wilman. And so I found my Texas and Tennessee. And so I wouldn't say I, I chased Nashville writing to be, you know, just to be different, but I, I really did find my Texas in a little bit of Texas in Nashville and, and uh, while also being in Nashville. So I'm still ch- staying true. I found my people that, that really have helped me grow and still, um, you know, I can write with somebody who's written number one on the radio and still say, Hey, I want to be, you know, I'm not chasing the number one on the radio. I'm chasing country music. Things are changing now. I mean, I think with social media, it used to be like, I, I feel like it used to be when, when the bro country stuff was so hot that radio was being, Pushed, or the, the songs for radio is being so pushed and formulated by just the standard system. Now I feel like in general, artists are able to be themselves. And I think a lot of Texas artists really proved that for the whole country, such as Cody Johnson, Randy Rogers, Aaron Watson. They really proved that, hey, you don't have to be in Nashville. You don't have to write that number one country formulated song to be heard across the nation. Uh, I think that's what really makes Texas stand out is you got artists that are, I mean, working their butts off every weekend, spreading the noise, spreading the, the music, the sounds, the songs, 
in uh, every dance hall, every little city, and, and eventually it spreads like a wildfire. Authenticity and tradition are the foundation of Texas country music. So I asked Tristan what he is doing with his music to help this tradition live on. I think just sticking to my roots, sticking to who I am, uh, what I grew up in, who I was raised by. Um, and I think, again, just uh, really telling real life stories and and uh, and also trying to capture what I felt when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, watching Cody and all those guys put on a show. Because, you know, when you when you're an entertainer, you're you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for them. And uh, you know, they spent their hard earned money to have a good time, forget about what's going on in their life and they just want to have a great time. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things is just getting them to, to really just latch on and, and have a good time. Lubbock based group, the Josh Abbott band has been filling honky tonks for over a decade. Now the seven piece group cut its teeth is a hardworking touring act with hooky melodies and they deliver real world stories. They got their start when Abbott and Davis were frat brothers at Lubbock's Texas tech. They braved the stage on open mic nights at the Blue Light Live, an iconic venue in the Texas country music scene. The band's relentless onstage attitude quickly made them a successful touring act, building out as a Texas band to a regional act to a national touring act with a devoted following, following them from coast to coast. I was so honored to sit down with Josh and Austin right before their show in Chicago this past January. I asked the guys to expand more on what was unique about the Texas scene, especially in Lubbock. Lubbock is, um, it's a complicated scene because uh, South Plains Music College, like there's two groups of people that come out of there, I think. You're either a very good band or like the best wedding band. And didn't you feel like that? Like there was a lot of guys that were really talented that- Virgins and non-virgins. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. Sorry, mother. (laughs) No. I think what Austin's saying is that a lot of people come out of there and they're super successful. Right. And then some guys are just solid at it, but they still love to do it. But they don't really want to take the risk, though. Sure. That's the difference between- But risk isn't for everybody. Right. And you could say that about any business. And so I think, like, for us specifically, he mentioned South Plains because South Plains is a a junior college, but it has a tremendous commercial music program. It's located just outside of Lubbock. So, for instance, like, our uh, drummer went went there. Um, Austin took some classes out there. Mm -hmm. I even took some classes out there for the music program. He was a drummer, actually. Yeah, originally. Horrible, and that's why I'm a singer. So if you think I'm a bad singer, you should have seen me play drums. Brutal. Uh, <laughs> didn't even know what a click track was. <laughs> Just follow me, boys. I got it. Um, Turn that click track off and hold me back. But um, uh, like our our utility guitar player it, uh, is from Lubbock, went there. Same for our keys player. And our old fiddle player and basically just a lot of people come through there. And so a lot of people in the Lubbock scene, they really are either from Texas Tech or they're kind of from that South Plains music program. And every now and then you'll get someone outside of that box. But usually that's about right. And everybody kind of plays the same venues, the same circuit. You all kind of meet. Um, I would say this, though, uh, getting to be a long answer, so you edit it if you need to. But I think the thing that separated Lubbock uh, from other places, now that I have more context to kind of view it with a helicopter kind of lens, is the emphasis on songwriting. Mm. 
I would agree with that. It, it wasn't even just Blue Light, but Blue Light for sure, where we started out, Wade Bowen started out, William Clark Green, Flatland, everybody, right? We all have, we all sing these praises about Blue Light, and it's for a reason because they have songwriter night, and it was literally the night you could come up there and sign up on a sheet, and you could play one or two of your songs that you wrote. And, and, and even if only even if only five people were there, they gave you a stage, and it empowered you, and it encouraged you to write more songs because now you're on stage and you're swapping songs with other people in Lubbock who have the same audacity that you do, right? I should share my words and melodies with other people. They're so good. And you learn through your trial and errors that, oh, I need to improve my craft. I need to improve my craft. And I think that that continual stress on songwriting and being original lends itself to the creativity and the reason so many bands come from that area. I love that Josh and Austin chat about how the Lubbock and Texas country music scene really encourages originality and fosters being a unique songwriter. Austin told me his favorite story about Josh at the famed Blue Light and how it helped them grow as a band. And this is one of my favorite Josh stories of all time. So he comes, I've just turned 21 and he just comes to my house and he picks me up. He's like, we're going to go do the, uh, the open mic. And I was like, we are? Really? He's like, yep, we're going to learn. And he showed me two songs. It was Evil Woman and If I See You Tonight. We do this two weeks in a row. That's it. And then he's my ride home. And I am, and Blue Light, If that's the thing. Like, that was our cheers. You know what I mean? Like, that was legitimately our. <laughs> no, that was where everybody knows your name. Like, that was yeah. the place, you know? I'm a vision guy. Once my thing life. was... If they say, yeah, that's something we're interested in, now I have a goal. Okay, I'm going to go write songs and put together a band so that we can record a live record here. It's extremely naive um, because didn't really understand the complexities of how the music industry really worked. Um, but we just had the fortitude and the ignorance, I guess, at the same time to just kind of knock over, knock, go through walls and go through doors and open them ourselves and... Anyway, that's kind of our story to um, how we kind of did the thing in Lubbock and put the band together and played Blue Light and grew. And, you know, as unique as our story is, again, it's the same story Wade Bowen has. It's the same story William Clark Green and Flatland have. And um, it's the same story that a lot of other songwriters and more over the years will come out. I think there is something so special about how the community of Texas country always comes together. I love how they've accumulated a love of good songs and hard work among the community. Speaking of hard work, we know that country music is built on unique and original storytelling. Josh and Austin shared with me what specifically it is about Texas country that makes it so unique. The origins of the Texas country scene didn't have radio support. You know, nowadays we are lucky enough that there are quite a few stations that play Texas country, even outside of Texas. But, uh, and of course there's all these streaming platforms which has completely, almost evened the game like the the playing field is a lot more level now when you compare the two genres but um you know i think the origins of what we did didn't it was like you weren't going to get played on the radio so you didn't feel like you had to write an overly cute on the nose very hooky song and you didn't have to utilize elements of pop music right into the country world. So I think that a lot of the storytellers and songwriters of what established our genre, they were just focused on telling a story and writing a good song. You know, Guy Clark always said, um, 
it doesn't have to. I think I could be messing up the quote a little bit, but it doesn't have to rhyme if, if you believe it. And whereas in Nashville, you know, it's going to rhyme, and it's going to probably rhyme twenty different times. I just rhymed that, so yeah. Hey, hey. But um, I think that that's a big difference in the songwriting, and then I think the evolution of it throughout the years. Now, I will say this: I think if you look at some more modern day Texas country music, um, there's a lot more. Um, you know, what's the word? I'm. I don't want to say inbreeding, but there's a lot of. Uh, there's a mixture of the Nashville writers with the Texas writers. I mean, for instance, myself, I write a lot of our songs with guys who live in Nashville. They might be from Texas. They might be from Missouri, Kansas, New York, Florida, but they live in Nashville. They're professional songwriters. And I write songs with those people. You know, you mentioned Parker McCollum earlier. He writes with a bunch of Nashville songwriters. Um, Cody Johnson records a lot of outside songs, uh, kind of like the George Strait method, right, where you just find a great song and you record it. And those are written by guys that live in Nashville. So I think more and more today, you see a lot more of the same writing styles. Um, I think the differences still probably come into play with, like, uh, song length and um, the way you're going to approach and produce things. You know, I mean, I think still all of us Texas guys are very studio driven in the sense where I don't want a ganjo on my record I want a real banjo I mean I have fortunately for me I have one of the best thank you um, I, I hate the I don't want, so much I don't want fake drums and tracks I want a real right, drummer in there right. playing it I don't want you know a lot of stuff to be done on a computer like I want us to do and, and I think that that's probably a little bit still of a mainstay difference between the Texas scene and that and and I do think that's why, you know, the fans are so passionate of the Red Dirt and Texas Country and Americana, Alt Country. There's so many names these days, but um, of that, you know, that's why fans are so passionate. Look at this Turnpike Troubadour sticker right here. It's because go listen to those guys' records. It's made with heart and soul. They're not worried about playing the most perfect part and the catchiest hook. And, that you know, there's not a computer anywhere near that album. That's just five, six dudes playing badass music together. And that's what I'd like to think that our band is as well. Yeah. Josh has an undeniable passion for the Texas style of country and the other acts that have come out of their area. Josh, along with his bandmates, have done something really unique to contribute to the development of their subgenre and their message. Y'all, they started their very own record label. Obviously, I had to ask them about it and who they are hoping to inspire with this huge endeavor. We have to because that's the model in which we've kind of always approached things. You know, we did have a record deal for a few years, pretty short-lived. Um, interesting experience and time in our chapter and mine for sure. But, uh, you know, when we want to put out this stuff, the easiest way to do it is through your own kind of record label so you know maybe that's maybe there's almost like something about that that fools people like there's no building in texas that says pretty damn tough and we don't have a receptionist and an a and r person and a you know and a marketing director and all that i mean a lot of that stuff organically comes from our management company so probably our record label should say uh triple eight management <laughs> for being honest but um you know, I think it's just that's pretty common in Texas too. I think you see 
now that Randy Rogers Band and them don't have a record deal anymore, you see the stuff they're putting out is under their record label, quote unquote. And um, you know, Wade Bowen's the same, and I don't want to just keep name dropping, but pretty much everyone does that. Here and there, you'll find people that will still partner with a distribution company, such as Thirty Tigers or a variety of others. Um, but for the most part, I think everybody enjoys putting their own stuff. I think Flatland Calvary can, puts theirs out under their own record label, so to speak. So it's not necessarily that our record label is going out and signing other acts. I mean, I have released a couple other projects uh, under the umbrella le- label of Pretty Damn Tough. Uh, Grant Gilbert, a couple EPs with him, young up-and-coming star. I'm telling you now, that kid's going to be a, a Nashville star. He'll be he'll, he'll have a record deal in the next two years. Um and then uh, a good dear friend of ours named Charlie Shafter, who was a blue writing songwriter and a, one of my roommates in my latter part of college, and uh, just a great dude. So I don't have to approve and go through a whole chain of emails to get the album cover approved and the release date approved and the sequencing approved and the title of the album and all the other stuff that goes with it. It's just like we just do it in-house, we get it done where we feel good about it and we put it out. I feel like that kind of freedom that working for yourself offers is really the catalyst for some amazing original music coming out of Texas, along with just being an amazing vessel for creativity. I wanted to know, though, what other qualities they felt could only be found in the Texas country music scene. 100% uh, the camaraderie. Okay, that's interesting because I used to believe that as well. And I still do. That's not to discount the camaraderie of the Texas scene. We're all friends. I feel like genuinely, I mean, there's probably some that are more, you know, you might be superficial friends with, but regardless, you're pretty close to a lot of people in this because you play so many festivals and shows with them. But I've noticed a lot of the Nashville cats that are genuine friends. I mean, you see, if Al Dean posted, like, he's always hanging out with, like, his crew of dudes, right? Like, Kane Brown and DJ Silver and, and you know, I feel like... Luke Bryan, and uh, you know, it's pretty common for a lot of those guys to actually hang out together and be friends. And so, I don't know, maybe that's just the way country music is because I, I don't, again, I, I'm not in those worlds, but it seems to me like maybe in rap and in rock, your, your vibe is your vibe, and you ain't trying to mix it with someone else's vibe right. and share the spotlight with them. But, but I, I feel like in country music in Texas country, you really embrace the camaraderie of the and the commonalities that we all share. I don't think that was always true though because I remember Vince Gill saying um, that he was jealous of our generation because when he was coming up and like, you know, really on top of it, they were the same way. They, they were like rock stars. Like yeah. they, they had their entourage and well, sure. they were all competitors. Sure. Like, and I feel like we never have looked at guys like that. No, every now and then it's friendly competition. You know, there's a few. But it, in Texas to, that to have me, it's like we've always looked at each other. But, but we don't get mad like if Pat's no. on the bill, like he's headlining, like no question. Yeah, but there's been times we headlined, <laughs> and, and we're, we're like, really? Yeah, and it wasn't a big deal, yeah, right? But we're like, dude, if you know. Anyways, I mean, there's a mutual respect, and the fact that I can even call him Pat instead of Mister Green, yeah, is one of the coolest things of my life. I'm not kidding when I say I've been obsessed with their new project, The Highway Kind. So I wanted all the details, and I wanted to know how they plan to keep their Texas traditions alive. We didn't know what we were really doing um, at first. We really just went into the studio, and uh, we were really 
night. But we, you know, we did all. Well, you and I did, and Preston did. Uh, we knew that we wanted to do something, but that's pretty much all we had. And then what Josh did very well was cultivate the business side of like the Nashville scene and still maintain true to the Texas scene which I think was, I think that's been one of those important things in our career sure uh, you know I would just say that the early on yeah obviously it's like with anything you know if you're a carpenter and you're doing it in your mid-twenties I'd like I mean, that person would probably like to believe that by the time they're in their mid-thirties and forty they're better at it you get better with time because of the hours that you put into it. Ten years from now, you're going to be like, I can't believe... I was talking I can't to believe Josh I interviewed Abbott those and Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, hear me out. So, I think early on it was rough and sloppy, but that amateurism, there's something kind of magnetic about it and kind of charming. Yeah. I think people kind of like the flawed... Uh, these young guys, they, you know... It's not the best album you've ever heard, but it's got something. And you get better, and you get better, and you get better. I think our cycle of records, we've always tried to change up every record just a little bit to do something a little bit different while being autobiographical in our A&R, our song selections, whether I wrote it or it was an outside That's song. not true. We didn't try to do that. You did that. Yeah. Well, that was your that was your thing. So And that was smart. I want it to be, you know, it's always since day one been a reflection of my life. Every record represents the last two or three years because that's the time period in which I wrote an A&R the songs. And so... Um, probably a little bit too honest in moments, but I want to really get back to the new record that you're talking about. You know, Howie Kanye, I think arguably it's our best record ever. I, I don't want to discount front row seat, so I feel like it's a coin toss on one of those two. But I mean, really, the 10 songs on Highway Kind are so great. They're so good that we play eight of them in our live show tonight. And Settle Me Down will be in the set. Um, Settle Me Down has actually become one of our biggest songs. What's really cool about that, so something my management and I were talking, our management and I were talking about was, you know, a lot of re- a lot of bands that have been around as long as us, right, for 10, 15 years in that area, they, their most popular songs on Spotify are typically their older songs, right? And with us, two of our top five are from the new album. It's Settle Me Down and The Luckiest. And that's crazy. And I don't want to name any other names because I don't want it to be a bad reflection on them. But if you go look at a lot of other Texas country bands or probably even Nashville bands that have been around the same time as us, their older songs are their highest streamers. And we have two in our top five that are new. And I think that really says something about the quality of the record, that people are responding to it in a very real and organic way again. And I love that. And I think that's why, um, just FYI, we'll break it to your podcast here. We're going back in the studio in March. And we're, I don't want to say we're recording the sequel to Highway Kind because it, I don't necessarily think it will be thematically a sequel. Um, but we are using the same studio, the same producer, the same engineer, and 90% of the same band. The only thing that's changed is our fiddle player. And so... I think you're going to hear something extremely similar on this next project, and hopefully we have some songs that resonate the same way Settle Me Down has, um, because the moment I wrote that song, I knew it was a good one. Y'all, I got some exclusive news from the Josh Abbott band when I sat down with them. I couldn't end our conversation without asking Josh to finish this sentence. 
It's not Texas country without... Authenticity. That's what I'd say, because the easy answer is fiddle. But there's a lot of Texas bands that don't really have fiddle. Uh, but most do, to be honest. Um, I would say banjo, because I love the banjo the most, but I think we're the only band that has a banjo player, That's so true, yeah. it can't be that and every other instrument's in every rock band on the planet. So it really starts to become like, what is that the heart of what a Texas country song is? And I just think the authenticity behind it, like you believe what the singer is singing to you. Does it fit who they are as a person? Does it... Does it jive with their story and their background? Because I do think that's something that separates us from the mainstream world as well. Is because, you know, we all know Luke Bryan's a Georgia boy, but I don't think a lot of fans know his backstory, right? Where he's from specifically. You could probably say that about a ton of the Nashville guys, but in Texas, literally everyone knows that Donahue is a Fort Worth guy. Everyone knows that we're in Lubbock. We based, we originated in Lubbock. And everyone knows about some of the personal things that have happened in my life along the way, including the passing of my father and having, um, you know, getting married and having kids. And everyone's got that story. And so I think that that's what's really cool about our scene is because it really originates from going to college and everyone from your hometown and all your friends in college networking for you and making sure that other people across the state come listen to you, right? All those people that went and watched us at Blue Light, they graduate and they go to Dallas and Houston and San Antonio. And then when we show up to those cities, they bring their friends from work to come watch us play. And now those friends from work tell their college friends. And I truly believe that that word-to-mouth system is what makes the Texas country scene fly and stick going back to my original statement is I think authenticity has to be a key figure. I can't sing certain songs because they don't fit who I am and who I've branded myself as over the last decade. It would be unauthentic, inauthentic of me. Randall King is a West Texas native and one of country music's modern traditionalists. He describes his timeless sound as simultaneously gritty and graceful. His lyrically deep stories, pedal steel, and signature twang have gained this road dog millions of fans over the past decade. Since picking up his first guitar in first grade, Randall King has developed a unique sound and has made a name for himself in the Texas country music scene and beyond. I think it was the second record that Dirk Bentley ever put out. So my sister showed me his first record and I became a, uh, a massive fan. Me and her love, love early Dirks. Uh, I still love Dirks. Like those first few records, like a 16 year old boy, like driving in a truck, listening to those records, that, that made me, that made me who I am for sure, man. That, that, that helped build me and uh, who I wanted to be as an artist. And uh, honestly, you know, you think about the records that shaped you. I go, I go all the way back to when I was a kid. Uh, one of the first records I ever had. There's two that stand out in my mind. One was Tim McGraw's "All I Want." I'll burn that record. I burned that record to both ends. We, I tore it up, and then uh, David Lee Murphy's. Uh, I forget the title of it. It was. I mean, it was a big one. It was the one with "Dust on a Bottle." Uh, all of it, man. Those records, absolutely. 
shape, shape me who I am. It's just always old school country. Something that all of the artists I've gotten to chat with over the years have in common is their relationship with country music. They've all been shaped by their exposure to the genre early on in life, which has subsequently shaped their artistry. The best thing about it, though, is that they all have their unique take on the styles they love the most. Growing up in, as Randall said, middle of nowhere Texas, I wanted to know Randall's take on what sets the Texas style of country music apart from the rest. I consider myself a traditionalist. Traditional country is really, my, it's always been my goal, my focus. We, we build, we're building a national brand. So for me, you know, only thing that I know that separates it is uh, the fact that I'm traditionalist. The fact that, uh, you know, I ride the line in between like George Strait, Keith Whitley, Alan Jackson, like that's, that's my kind of country. So that's, that's where we focus and uh, we build a one fan at a time. When I think of Texas country, the word traditional always comes to mind. I asked Randall what tradition means to him when it comes to his own music. No snap tracks, man. There ain't no pop in it. There's no, you know, there's uh, there's depth within the lyrics for me. Uh, songwriting, songwriting is key. You know, if you ain't got something to say, you ain't got a song. You can glamour up your tracks all you want. You can you can you can add things and take things away. You can do all. So you can you can put three hundred tracks in a song. But if the song doesn't impact anybody, then you're just listening to grooves and beats. Like that's, I don't want to listen to grooves and beats. I want to, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to go listen to EDM or something like that. <laughs> I want to feel, I want to, I want to, I want it to hit here. I want to hear it. I want to feel it. I want to live it. So that's for me, that's where the traditionalist comes in on it. It's, it's, it's songwriting because that's where country music starts. Country music really does start with songwriting. Randall shared a little bit more with me about his own songwriting process. I guess usually it just depends. If I'm writing by myself, I, it's just me and the guitar. I just start strumming on it, and uh, I let my mind think. What I'm, whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm feeling, you know, it'll flow through that guitar. Uh, if I'm writing with somebody in the, in, in the room, it's kind of it's a little bit of the same, but you're more bringing in hooks and ideas and tossing them back and forth at each other. Like, hey, we. What I got, what you got, what you do. You got a good line, what's this? So you just, it's about vibe. It's about collaboration with the people uh, and, and really sitting there and connecting and being on the same page while you're writing the story. I love how Randall keeps mentioning country music as a story. And for me, that's what really sets his music and other Texas country artists apart from the mainstream. They have a story that you can really dig your boots into. But now Randall has found himself in Nashville, and I was curious to know what differences he felt, if any, between Nashville country and Texas country. Everybody got their own style. Everybody got, got this and that. I don't, I don't hate on anybody's music. It's all music. I love it. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that the machine really it exists. It exists in certain aspects, but I mean, I've seen it firsthand with this release of my record that. The labels are buying into artists and they're letting the artists build and be who they are. And it's working. You, you're seeing that it's working because it's going out. It's it's everywhere. Like you're, you're seeing you're watching Parker McCollum. Like he's hitting number ones right now. He's crushing it. He's getting to be him. They didn't change him. They didn't do nothing different. That boy, that boy's always, always been glamorous. You know, he's he always had that shine. Like they just let him let him do his thing. Kojo, same thing. They didn't tell Kojo who he's going to be. And that's the thing when I signed on with my label, that they weren't trying to tell me who, who I am. 
I said, B, you, I've had, you know, I've been a road dog my whole life, man. Like, uh, we, we played 140 shows a year. Uh, barring COVID, we did like 80 in, in, in 2020, you know. So, uh, outside of that, for the last six years, I've been doing 140 shows a year, grinding it out. I don't need anybody to tell me who I am. That stage lets, lets you know. Y'all, he isn't wrong. I was lucky enough to see him in Chicago this past February, and I am so happy he lets the music speak for him. Speaking of being lucky, I chatted with Randall in probably the middle of the craziest week of his career. Guys, hearing him reflect on his Opry debut and release week was a real treat. This week has been the busiest week of my life. These last two weeks, you know, we, uh, I guess it was last Wednesday, bus rolled out at Decatur. We went up, we went on a three-day run with, with uh, Clay Walker and Trace Lawrence. We got done uh, in Alabama. The bus went straight back to Nashville, uh, dropped me and my girlfriend off at like four in the morning. We hopped on a plane, we went to Dallas, drove down in my, in my Jeep, went down and picked up my dog. We got a brand new Rottweiler. Did a, did a turnaround, red eye flight right back home. Uh, on like no sleep, went and saw family, hung out with some family, everybody was came into town. And then Monday we got to sit there and do a, another family gathering after I did like five meetings and interviews that morning. Uh, had a family gathering Monday. It was like the only time I got to see my family. And then Tuesday, Tuesday was a big day. That was, uh, so I got to the Opry and we did, I got there like two o'clock and, uh, I ran, I, I ran, I ran this whole week on like maybe I think three meals. I just, it just didn't have time to eat. So, uh, fortunately, at the Opry, I, I brought a yogurt and some juice. <laughs> That's pretty much what I ran on when I went up there. And then we got done, and Britt hadn't eaten nothing either. And we went back there. She's like, baby, they got cake. I was like, they do? It's like, yes, yeah, chocolate. It's like, all right, get us some. We're hungry. <laughs> so, yeah, we celebrated with cake after it was done. And, uh, man, I'm telling you this. This week's just been, it's been crazy. And then last night we did the CD release. So this whole, and now we're finished out with three more days of playing Tracy. So I come Sunday, I'm going to go, then I'm going to reflect on everything. And I'll tell you how I feel then, because I don't know how I feel right now. It's been nonstop. The only thing that really stands out in my mind is all my family being there with me, getting to talk to like Bill Anderson went up first and we were right after Bill and Bill, Bill spoke to me before uh, I went out there and he just said, hey, man, it goes quick. Just soak it in. Take it all in. Take in as much as you can. I don't remember everything else he said because my mind started turning because I was about to go on. Uh, and I just went up there and I remember playing, got to the first song, uh, tell the story about my sister. I went into I'll Fly Away and I remember hitting the last course of I'll Fly Away being like, wow, it's like, is this it? It's like, it's, I'm almost done. I almost just wanted to just do another round of the course just to just stay up there and hang out for a second. Now I wish I would have, but, uh, you know, you got other acts coming behind you and you get, only get so much time. So I was like, all right, just getting it out and, uh, took my hat off. The moment that's really in, in, embedded in my mind is when I took my hat off and looked up at the crowd and I had a standing ovation from the, from the balcony, the floor, all of it. And I just stood there and I soaked it in for a minute in that moment. That moment burns in my mind. I seriously get chills every time I hear that story. The way he seamlessly represents himself and Texas country on stage speaks volumes to his talent and character. 
But guys, the more I spoke with Randall and as he continued to reflect, he started to share his take on the power of country music with me. It's been crazy. Uh, and, then, and then yesterday morning, me and my girlfriend went out to the Toyota dealer in Franklin because I needed a, we needed, we needed a vehicle. Her truck was taken away in the flood in Tennessee, uh, March of last year when I first moved up. So I'm literally driving up to Nashville and she was like, my truck's gone. Like it, it's, it's, it's flooded. It's done. So we used my truck, which is an old 98 GMC with 330,000 miles. Like I've had this truck. It's been in my family since 2008. It was my dad's passed it down to me. I've never owned a new vehicle besides, and they were even in, they weren't new. They were used. Uh, I've never owned anything past the nineties, except for our two touring vans that we've gone through. Um, so uh, we just needed a re- reliable vehicle, man. And we went down to the Toyota dealer and uh, we were signing up. We were, I was doing the paperwork for RAV4, which we, we, we got. We drove off the lot. But uh, in the middle of it, my buddy Andrew, uh, Andrew Hernandez, that owns Rowdy's down in Houston, he had flown up. He's a good friend of mine, great guy. He came up and he worked it out with, uh, with me. He, he'd been trying to ask me about uh, my address for, for shipping a package. And I was like, okay. I don't know what this package is, but yeah, man, uh, here, here's my address. You didn't have to give me anything, I, but I, I appreciate you, man. Just come up to the offering and hang, you know, come up, be a part of it. Come see the release. Just be a part of what we're doing. He goes, all right. In the middle of doing paperwork for this RAV4, he goes, uh, hey, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out here uh, outside. I need you to come sign for this package. And I said, oh, okay. Um, kind of in the middle of something. But yeah, I'm – I'll be right out there, buddy. I got you. I said, hey, man, hold on. I got to go out here, step out, take care of something. I'll be right back. I walked outside, and there's two veterans. Uh, name was Bob and Clayton. They were standing out there, and uh, they go, hey, man, you know, we're Bob and Clayton. We're, we're, we're with a dealership out of West Virginia, uh, and Andrew's been talking to us about us and about you, and we really believe in you. Uh, this guys put it on our heart that we're here to help you, and uh, they handed me keys. And I, I, I your brain starts turning like, what, What's happening? And I clicked it, and there's a brand new, well, as a used, but it was, it was brand new to me 2019 Chevy Silverado that he just handed me the keys to. And I haven't even had time to process that. Like, it's been, it's been one of the most amazing weeks I've ever had in my life. And it lets you know perspective of how many great people, great people between family and friends are in my corner and the people I love. Like sometimes you just wonder, you know, uh, if you're always doing the right things and making the right moves. And this week has shown me that everything that I put into my, my career, my life, the, the decisions I've made to better myself as, as a man, as an artist, they come to fruition right there, man. That God, God does incredible things and moves in incredible ways. And even then, on my way to the CD release party, I was like, I need to turn the radio on in this truck. I'm driving it, and I'm like, this is cool. Like, I need to turn the radio on. I want to play music. And I was like, well, maybe I should put some Hagger to the speakers. And I was like, nah, I'll just turn the radio on because I'm just right around the corner. And I pressed the button to turn it on, and I flipped through the channels, and uh, the first station was K-Love. And I'll get to the song in a second. It's one of those moments. You ever been on vacation? When you leave vacation, you feel really sad, right? how I was feeling yesterday morning after the opera because it was just like, man, I can't believe it's over. Like, and then sometimes you wonder, it's like, 
is is that the peak? Is you know, I'm like, am I at the peak? And I set them in perspective. I was like, no, I'm still in the valley. Nothing. I'm still in the valley. And when I turned it on to Caleb, the first song that came on was "God's Not Done with You," and I went, oh man, that's everything. That's reassurance right there. It's everything that I'm doing. I'm doing it right. Wow. I mean, guys, I don't really have much more to say on that. Earlier, we chatted a little bit how Randall's love of country music started at a young age. So I asked him what he thought little first grade Randall would think with his first guitar. And what would he say to him now? I think he'd look at me and go, why didn't you play Hank? (laughs) You should have sang your cheating heart. Which I do. I would have, too. I would have. absolutely would have. If I'm, I guarantee that next time I go back to the opera and playing your cheating heart, like that's that's for daddy. Man, I don't know. I don't think he needs. I don't. I don't think he needs me to say anything, man. That nine-year-old kid has had it in his heart the whole time. They told me to write down a quote uh, when I got to the opera. They said, write down a quote, whatever you're thinking in your mind, and we're gonna do some special stuff with it. I don't know what they're gonna do, but uh, I said, write down a quote. And that quote for me was, a nine-year-old dream just came to life today. A moment enriched in heritage, tradition, and by God, country music. That's my quote. And that's exactly how I feel right now. It really is no secret that Randall King is a humble guy that is an artist in it for the love of his genre. He just won't stop making great traditional Texas country. This interview actually took place on the eve of his new album, Shot Glass. I asked Randall what song off the album made him the most proud to be a part of the Texas country community. Middle of Nowhere Church, for sure. That song, that song's deep. Because uh, the song's a reflection of me getting my act together, you know, uh, straightening my life out, getting with my, getting with a, a great woman, and uh, just being a great man. It's, it's power of, of love and uh, power of a, of a good woman changing a man for the better. And that song is the, uh, I think that song is the staple of it right there. Four years. So, you know, my self-titled record, came out in 2018 that's the last full-length record that's the only full-length record i've got out for me uh this this record has songs that are from different projects we pulled uh i pulled one from the first three singles that i dropped in the corner that's on there i pulled uh i pulled two from the liana ep which i named it for my sister liana and she passed in april of 2020 so that we made sure i got two from that one on there and then uh there's the title of it, Shot Glass, was actually recorded uh, before Burning the Both Ends and Hey Cowgirl and all those songs, those first three songs that came out with Warner. That 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 song has been recorded for like two and a half, three years, just waiting in the wings because I knew what I wanted to do with it. And then COVID kind of pushed the record back a, a year. Uh, that song was recorded with Brett Beavers when we were trying out producers before we linked up with Bart Butler. So... Uh, that's that song was, you know, got a little bit different production on it, but it's, you know, it's me. It's the record. I love it. In Middle of Nowhere Church, that song was done a little bit after Hey Cowgirl. No, no, it wasn't. It was done. It was done before Hey Cowgirl because it was, uh, we were trying out producers as well. It was Jeffrey Steele. I wrote it with Jeffrey Steele and him and Paul Franklin. I don't know if you know Paul Franklin, a legendary steel player. Uh, he came, they came in and, uh, Produced Middle of Nowhere Church with me, and uh, we, we sat there like it was one of the coolest recording moments I've, I've ever had. Like it was, it was just straight musical theory, which is different. And then uh, we took both those songs 
and mix them in with everything that I've been doing with Bart and Ryan. And so you get a, you get a big mix of literally four years worth of what I've been doing. So it's, it's cool, man. I love this record. Okay, y'all. I just love country music. And who wouldn't love Texas country? I mean, come on. But at the end of the day, I really love being able to dive deep into country music and learn about all of its unique nuances, especially when it comes to subgenres. The genre really can never be defined by a single style, which is exactly why we all love it so much. But guys, make sure you check out all of the artists I got to chat with today. Parker McCollum is out on tour, and make sure you check out his new album, Gold Chain Cowboy. Why Indiana is my favorite song. My girl Jenna Paulette is riding high after being named a CMT Next Woman of Country 2022. Plus her new single, Bless Your Heart, is out now. Tristan Merez is packing out honky-tonks all over the country. Plus, rumor has it, him and Jenna Paulette are dropping a new duet super soon. Josh Abbott Band is on the road promoting their latest project, The Highway Kind. Make sure you go check them out live, y'all. You won't regret it. And Randall King's debut album, Shot Glass, is out now. Plus, you have to go see him when he rolls through your town. Make sure you check out his website for tour dates. Once again, my name is Bobby Dixon, and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby and be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by me, Ashley Kim. I also executive produce alongside my team at Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you love this episode, please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends from Restless Road who recorded our amazing theme music for this podcast. All Country News. For more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at All Country News. Visit us at allcountrynews.com to join our birthday club and subscribe to our weekly industry newsletter. Check out a new episode of Country Confidential every month right here. All Country News.